We're doing villains now, I'm Dracula. Villains. Dracula. Welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we look at the various films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost villainy expert. And today we're looking at Best Villain 2008. How are you, Ben? Oh, I'm doing really, really well. Uh... We have been on been on a bit of a hiatus. Life life has gotten really busy for both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll recycle a joke I used before we started recording, but uh, you know, t- two thousand eight caused a real podcast recession for us, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a cursed year. Um, yeah. No, I'm glad to be glad to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. If you listen to these as you come out, you'll know that we went on hiatus for over the summer, very planned, only kind of came on earlier than we expected, and we came back, and then we suddenly went on unplanned hiatus based on just a lot of scheduling things, Ben busy, me busy, the guest we were originally going to have on this episode when I was going to do just a different one was busy, but we're back. We're going to have at least two uninterrupted weeks, and then... Actually, yeah. yeah. Does one... I do finish school early this year, so hopefully we'll be able to like keep it rolling without me going, no, I gotta study for finals, but... Yeah, listen. A, a school, you know, a degree, like, I don't think that matters as much as, you know, I ran a podcast, <laughs> and we got three... We did three episodes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh yeah no i i had a really a very strange uh fall uh i had i had one job then i had two jobs and i had three jobs now i'm back to two jobs um it was very very unplanned uh you know got an offer at a job that's actually in my field and pays a salary so you know move it up but it also came with being very very busy for like two months straight yeah i didn't even know about one of these three jobs yeah (laughs) but now you're getting paid a salary and you're still working part-time exactly and you know but podcast will always be my my uh i'll always always make some time you know i uh i was working last night at uh at orchards and i was shoveling some snow in a bobcat and i just had my phone propped up playing beowulf uh while i was shoveling snow so that's i'm dedicated to the moon and back on this podcast and we love to hear it and i am yeah still i think on track to get my degree well we'll see it's it's always the semester where i'm like how to drop some balls it's you know it's, it's tiring keeping a lot of balls up in the air at once um 
Anyways, so, the 2008 MTV Movie Awards were hosted by Mike Myers, the love guru himself. I'm assuming this... <laughs> I'm assuming this is what he had out that year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow, 2008, huh? <laughs> oh, what a year. His most famous role. Oh, man. Best movie went to Transformers. <laughs> This ve- this very day they released a trailer that we're recording this they released a trailer for the new Transformers movie Rise of the Beasts the first one oh off. yeah the the first actually I'm not even sure if it's a mainline one because you're like it's set in the nineties but or, second of these not directed by Michael Bay but it's gonna have Optimus Primal in it Gorilla Robot so I know you'll be there opening night. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Transformers beat out a yeah bunch of candidates, including Superbad, Juno, which we've talked about before, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, and I Am Legend. Maybe I've always been like, oh, or I think I. I've mentioned before about how I was kind of disappointed we don't get to talk about At World's End for, like, Best Villain, and I'm like, hmm, do we cover Best Movie just so we can talk about that? But I guess Johnny Depp won Best Comedic Performance for that film. Wow. Oh, there you go. He won Best Comedic Performance and Best Villain that year. Ooh, man, he's... (laughs) Double threat. Exactly. Funny and evil. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, maybe that translates to real life a bit too. Just so that's up. We we definitely did not do our debt disclaimer last time because you know we didn't really need it. But just, just remember that when we talk about people like this on the show, we do not necessarily condone the actions of the people involved. Um, yeah, especially absolutely. when it's a messy, messy personal situation. Exactly. What else happened? Adam Sandler won MTV Generation Award. Iron Man won Best Summer Movie So Far. Ooh. Wait, what is... Is that just the one where they show trailers? I think it... I, I think it's... How were these movies out yet? Oh, yeah. Right. I forgot I usually say when these ceremonies air. This aired on June 1st, 2008. Uh, they broadcast live. So, yeah, what this seems to have been is, and I think this is one of the first years where it was like an online poll. Like, if I remember correctly, 2008 is roughly where they make the switch. So, it, so my assumption based on this is they looked at all the movies that kind of came out in May. Iron Man, Indiana Jones, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Prince Caspian, Sex in the City, and Speed Racer, and then just have people like vote on those. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh man, can't believe Iron Man won. You know? Yeah, I mean, superhero movies seems kind of played out. Just yeah, a little bit. You know? Yeah. Uh, the universe where Sex in the City won, and that's the multi-movie universe expanding series we got. <laughs> that or yeah. Speed Racer would be lovely. Yeah, Speed Speed Racer Universe. 
<laughs> SPU. Or SRU. Yeah. And of course, when we last talked about 2008, that was her best kiss, which was won by Step Up to the Streets. Yeah. Oh, man. The movie. I think Step Up to. Step Up to and uh, Save the Last Dance are. I don't think I'll ever be able to disentangle them. Um, oh, and I also I watched Enchanted like recently. I still really like it. Apparently, the new one is not very good, which as to be expected. Um, but I'll still probably give it a watch. The, the new one, like, it's not as good as Enchanted. It's Adam Shankman has directed one great movie, and it's still Hairspray. But this might be his like second best film, and like it, it, it has its moments. You don't really know what to do with, like, Patrick Dempsey in it, because I guess appar- apparently, from what I heard from, like, a podcast or a person in it, he spent years just trying to break a version of the script where they were having some kind of marital problems, and then they're like, wait, no, nobody wants this. So the solution is he's just kind of there, and it's it's more kind of about the relationship between her and her now teenage stepdaughter. Um, but that's his moments. Yeah, it's also yeah, it's also weird that this is also Enchanted Year because uh, Timothy Spall plays like, just like a very similar character in both uh, Enchanted and in Sweeney Todd, <laughs> where he just kind of plays like the like the conniving like uh, like right hand man to like the villain yeah. or to the to the, someone's villain. Um, yeah. Also, Timothy Spall like the conniving or oh wait is he hold on i'm just sorry i'm now like oh okay he was not in harry potter and the order of the phoenix according to a quick thing of the cast but he's also the conniving like right hand man in that in the oh no i think he is in that movie just not credited um okay yeah yeah i always i always go to the filmographies yeah, That's I was doing I a <laughs> see. I was just doing a quick like movie scan because I'm like, he has to have been in that one too. Which is... But yeah, yeah, cause... exactly. And then Sweeney Todd, he's literally playing with like Snape himself. Just <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was. Oh man, Sweeney Todd was. That was a pretty pretty interesting movie. Um, hey, we could talk about that right now if you want. Let's get into it. Um, so, <laughs> Oh, perfect. For Best Villain oh. 2008, the nominees are Topher Grace, Spider-Man 3, uh, Javier Bardem, No Country for Old Men, Angelina Jolie, Beowulf, Denzel Washington, American Gangster, and the winner, Johnny Depp in Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Yeah, so this is Sweeney Todd. Is was it like a Broadway musical before yes. a movie? Oh, yeah, okay, that it, to- that makes sense. Yes, it's a big Stephen Sondheim production. Um, I watched the movie first before listening to the like. I mean, I I have not seen the Broadway thing, but I have listened to like the Broadway cast recording a lot because it's a. It's a movie that, as you've seen, like, there's some dialogue, but it's largely, you can listen to the songs and kind of get the whole picture. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much like, it's there's very, very few time in between songs. Yeah. So, I really liked the movie the first time I saw it, and then on the cast, rec- then after, like, getting a more sense of what was cut, I liked it a little less this time, though it still has stuff I like a lot. I'm, 
my main thing with it is there is um a couple of the stuff they cut which large a lot of it largely relates to the character of Johanna his like daughter who is being kept by Alan Alan Rickman's Judge Turpin and you know how like suddenly he there there is a point where like Turpin's visiting him and Anthony bursts in and he's like, Hey I'm at Joanna, we're we're getting we're getting like engaged. There's Yeah. There's not one, but t- a two part song about them kind of meeting and deciding to like marry, get married, that is supposed to like play that's maybe my favorite song in the whole show, and then it's just not in the movie. And the first time I'm like, Yeah, no, this is good and then once I knew it was missing, I'm like, oh, I wish Kiss Me and yeah. Kiss Me Part 2 were here. Oh, Yeah, that always, that's, I don't know. Yeah, it's really tough. Like, the, just like when the, um, the Dear Evan Hansen movie probably cut out one of my favorite songs. The, the good, good For, for you. you. Yeah, it's like. Did we talk about that on mic? I think, I think, we, I think we did. Yeah, it's it's been a while, though. <laughs> what a, what a movie. What a, uh. <laughs> Yeah. But no, you yeah, know, this one I really. I really, really enjoyed. Um, this was probably the most, uh, you know, um, I don't think I got to watch any of these movies in like a like comfortable, like good state. It was, it was, it was basically scarfing this stuff down when I had any free minutes. Um, but I still rather enjoyed this one, and mainly due in part to like it's very much something you can just sort of listen to as well. Um, just because the music's the music will like tell the story and like it's always just really nice. Um, I don't know if I I don't know if I love Johnny Depp's singing voice. It's it's all right. It kind of yeah. it sounds kind of like a almost like a bargain bin. Uh, Ewan McGregor a little bit. Um, but it's you know it's it is serviceable though. Yeah, famously, one of the bigger critiques of the movie is, like, kind of Johnny Depp's voice, which is fine. (laughs) It's been a few months since I've seen this one, so I had to double-check that ladies and their sensitivities is still in there, because in the show, the the song, or, well, there was a few songs cut, but the Kiss Me ones is kind of in between that song. So, like, there's Kiss Me Part 1, and then the ladies and their sensitivities, and then there's Kiss Me Part 2, and then that overlaps with, like, another part of that song where they're singing about, oh, this barber's name is Todd. Sweeney Todd. Just, and it's a really cool harmony thing. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I have to, I, I have to give the actual thing a listen. There's so many songs in this that I, um, I had heard, but I didn't know where they were from. Just like hearing them like in random places. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's good to know sort of the origins of that. I definitely, if I if I ever can catch a show, this definitely does seem like a very like fun, fun romp, fun watch. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. yeah. Really fun murder play. Just. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's. I don't know. There's probably like, you know, people that could probably uh, identify what the specifics are, but like I can I can always tell just by like the vibe of a movie and just like the pacing of it of like is this a musical, and it's just like so much stuff happens in this that like it just and then like yeah like it's weird that like them them killing people and then serving people that's like halfway through the movie 
and it's like it's a pretty like it's a it's a sh- I don't want to say it's a pretty sharp turn like up until that point I was like okay you know what Johnny Depp like is he really is he really a villain like he just wants to get like a little bit of revenge you know but you know he just mur- like <laughs> mercilessly like just kills a bunch of people and then feeds them to everyone else yeah um I guess another yeah. song that gets cut is a ballad at the beginning that explains that he's the demon barber of Fleet Street and he's going to kill a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> I guess it's in the title. I guess I should have. Uh... Yeah, I, this was a I guess this one's a little bit closer to uh, what I think because it's a musical and musicals, I think, have more leeway to have metaphorical characters um, or at least like things. But this was another sort of. um uh, devil wears prada situation where i thought he was actually going to be like a real demon like with horns um which like maybe he is like it's it's i feel like there's enough ambiguity there that he very well could be they definitely like definitely have like the visual motifs and like visual stylings uh so he could very well be they didn't they didn't uh at least they didn't you know call him the devil or anything so i didn't get tricked twice yeah, like, it's Tim Burton. You don't know if it's gonna go in that direction if you're not familiar with, like, the source material. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, this, yeah, this was, like, it's one of those movies where, like, I I always make a solemn swear that I'll, I won't ever, li- if there's a music in a movie, if there's, like, a musical part, I will not watch it at two times speed. And I ended up just having to watch this movie, like, regular style, just because the songs are just so frequent um you know it's just something that like i really could not uh i could not you know i i have was forced to take it in all at uh at the speed intended at you know um yeah now which i think i think it led to a very very like very very charming charming movie you know this was a pretty good week honestly all all things considered you know um yeah i I think I like every movie we cover this week, which is nice. Um, and yeah, this film is one where initially when I saw, I mean, we'll get to if I think Johnny Depp should have won, but because like, initially when I saw that, I'm like, hmm, interesting that you give that to him instead of like Helena Bonham Carter or Alan Rickman, who I think are you know more classical antagonists in the, in the story sense, but then when I thought about it more, I'm like, actually, no. The point, of, the point of like the back half of the play is he is in fact like the villain who's like gone too far. So, really, really, any of those three could have got in there and have been valid. And even if I think, oh, Johnny Depp got nominated because they were just throwing something to the fans there, like, it, well, it's worthy to have him kind of be best villain here. Yeah, no, this movie had like. Or not this movie, this week uh, definitely had, like, a weird... Because it happens before, but this is definitely, I think, the week with, like, the most... Uh, maybe not the most, but, like, a lot of villain um, possibilities within each movie. Um, where, like, I forgot which which Spider-Man 3 villain that they decided to go with. I couldn't remember if it was um, uh, Grendel's mother or Grendel. Um... I feel like yeah, American Gangster. I feel like this kind of one, it's kind of one main guy, um, and then yeah, No Country for Old Men. I feel like there's yeah, there's probably one villain there, but still, with those three, I feel like there's the, there's three movies that have like 
You could have picked a lot of people out of those. Yeah, out of yeah, Beowulf, Spider Man Three, and Sweeney Todd. If Not a lot. Yeah. If there oh, had been God. like a different villain nominee for No Country for Old Men, our entire No Country for Old Men segment would have been me yelling about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, but to be fair though, I think this week. There's not a lot of good people. There's not a lot of, like, you know, heroes. <laughs> um, except for, like, a literal superhero, Spider-Man. Um, but even even he's, like, evil for some of the movie. It's just a, this is a... Ah, oh, 2008. Keeps yeah. on Keeps on coming. It's a big... This really is kind of the anti-hero year. Like, it's funny when Colin was like, Oh, have you covered a lot of anti-heroes? They're like, not really, but yeah. American Gangster, Beowulf, like, um, this film. Yeah. No, yeah, No Country for Old Men, um, well, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is pretty, like... Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of... I guess he's not really... Yeah. He's an anti-hero in a sense in that he doesn't really do anything heroic, like... Yeah, he just sort of exists. Like, he doesn't really even interact with, like, two of our other sort of, like, protagonists. Yeah, in in classic Cohen Brothers fashion, No Country for <laughs> Old Men is very uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll get to it when we when yeah. we get to it. Obviously. Um, it... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, oh no, no. Um, it's just yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, Sweeney Todd is. I think it's a movie I'm going to enjoy more on my second watch. Now that I kind of know what I'm going into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, like, you're, feel like... you're not gonna be surprised by Borat this time. Yeah. Oh my god. I was I because I I saw that Sasha Baron Cohen was in it because in like the opening credits and I completely forgot about it and I did not even register that that was him as that character. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> a man with a funny accent. Hmm, this could be anybody. It <laughs> could be anybody at all. Um. Yeah. I think this movie. This movie has probably one of the funniest uh, scenes and I don't know that I've seen in like a long time, uh, which was when the child gets sentenced to death (laughs) Um, when uh, when Alan Rickman's character is like is like, oh, like you're to be like hung in like the town square or whatever. And it's just a child. (laughs) Um, and then they just cut, and then, like, they cut away with it, and then, like, um, Alan Rickman's character and, and, uh, Timothy Spall's character are just talking, he's like, well, did he commit the crime? And it's like, yeah, and it's like, well, (laughs) and they just, and, like, I think at that point, I was like, oh, geez, like, I feel like, uh, Johnny Depp's character is gonna have to do something really, really bad to, like, make him justifiably more of a villain, um, which I feel like he does, he kills so many people, um, (laughs) <laughs> but that was just such a such a funny like cool scene that i feel like um yeah i wish there, i wish there were more wish there were more funny scenes like that in the movie yeah it, it is a film that like it it's fun but it is pretty dour and burton plays a lot of it like seriously and and stuff like but you, you get there's a few moments of comedy like yeah that bit or the by the sea number where the joke is just how dour Johnny Depp is looking in, like, a beach setting, but... Yeah. Yeah, this movie does have, like, fun little... Little, uh... Little moments. It might be... It might just be because, like, everything... 
is already so like very over the top and ridiculous is that they kind of need to go that extra mile for it to feel a little different in the setting yeah um yeah exactly also i guess they should be interrogating more that you did not know this was a film about like uh, someone who a barber who kills his customers and then has them made yeah. into pies <laughs> I, I did not know that at all i thought i thought he was a barber and I thought the movie was just going to be about him trying to get the judge into the seat so he could, like, have his, like, revenge killing. Give him a bad haircut. Just yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I I am very much still, despite now watching over, uh, almost over 200 movies, I'm still very much a, a cinema newbie. And I very much don't know a lot of, like, pretty iconic <laughs> movies or what they're about. Uh, until I, mean, I see them for this podcast. Yeah, but you do kind of know mu- musicals because of your dad and brother. And... Oh yeah, I guess there are some. There are some that I do know. Your brother yeah. is literally in another Sondheim play right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go see that on Sunday. Oh man, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- for the curious audience, company. I'm just. Yeah. Oh man, I I was. I had a bit of like a panic moment because on our fridge, there was just a big envelope that just says company on it. Um, And I I now currently, I just started working for a company and I was like, oh, is that for me? Is that about me? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but, but no. So how does that play like, like the turn in it when like all of a sudden they're making it into, to pies? Like, how does that play coming into it? Like fresh where you don't know that's going to happen. It was, it was quite. It was like kind of like a shock, and I was like, "Is this?" It was like it kind of because it happens during that song, the the like the "It's a damn right shame" that one, and I'm like, "Are they? They're gonna feed people to people?" And my biggest thing was like, "How are they gonna get away with killing all those people?" Is there is there a reason I missed, or is it just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, like people just don't care if some people go or people die. It's that time of. It's that time, you know, in history where, you know, the guy goes missing and he's dead and that's just part of life, you know? Yeah. And it's just I'm, not, it's just one of those, it's one of those, like, things where it's like, it's not important. Yeah. Um, that might actually be another cut number from the pl- play, that, or I think it's in there. There is, like, a song famously from Sweeney Todd about how bad London is at that time. Like, Oh, I think, I think that's, like, near the beginning. I think there's, like, a song in the beginning oh, about how oh, awful yeah, London is. Yeah, that might be as part of, like, Worst Pies in London or something in, but, like, or, but, but, yeah, so I think it is just part of that thing where, like, if people are getting murdered, but they're like, well, it's, it's London. Yeah, and it's also, it's also just one of those things that I feel like, I feel like movie, or not movies, uh, musicals dip into more than movies do, where it's like, there are just some things that are, like, you're just not supposed to think about it, or it doesn't matter, it's not important. Um, and I feel like musicals both do it and I feel like get away with it more. Like they're not, I feel like it, like if you're like nitpicking a musical story, it's like, why bother? It's like, you know, you can watch anything else. And I feel like there's just like, not really plot holes, but they're just things that just like, don't, they just don't matter. It's like not as important as like a fun musical or a fun scene. Yeah. And, and I'll say like, as much as I can go to, man, I wish some of the stuff was in there. I do think, like, some, like, a lot of these musical numbers, like, by the C1, or, like, the one I think about all the time is kind of the Pretty Women one, which is the first time that, like, the judge is sort of in his chair, 
they're just kind of singing and there's like the tension there and it's the staging and it's just like this like lovely ballad and yeah and but you're also just kind of waiting for him to try to murder him like yeah oh it's really really good do you have any any additional thoughts about sweeney todd the demon barber of fleet street yeah uh good good movie yeah Death is good in it. This is all. I mean, where we're even gonna get like? There's a point point around this time where Johnny Depp, like his go to performance, just kind of becomes. I'm gonna do the. We- I'm just gonna do like the weird thing, and it like it's him doing a lot of shit, and there's no real rhyme or reason for it. Like it, yeah. And it, so it's nice that he kind of has this there, where you're like, okay, it's he's giving like a real performance, and yeah, he's dressed up kind of edward scissors handy but there's like there's a performance there um, so yeah there's so much of this movie that like i feel like i've weirdly associated with edward scissorhands because of that there's like so many characters that i just like assumed were in one or the other <laughs> even though i yeah. feel like i feel like if i watch these movies next to each other i feel like they're very different movies um I think. I don't know. I haven't seen Edward Scissorhands in so long. Is it a musical? Is Edward Scissorhands a musical? No, it is Does he Does he sing at some point? He might? It's been That's, a while since yeah, I've seen Edward Scissorhands. Exactly. I, have a, I feel like there's like vaguely I feel like I vaguely remember a scene where he's like singing out at night. Uh, maybe we're just misremembering though. Yeah, it's but yeah, no, good movie, good performance. Uh, if this was a year that didn't have what is arguably like one of the most yeah or one of the most like kind of iconic villain performances in certain circles like of the decade then i maybe i'd be like fine with going oh yeah no that can win this one um, but ah uh, you're just singing the praises of eddie brock slash venom um, ah yes <laughs> the weirdest pick from spider-man 3 um <laughs> yeah i guess it's because like He's the only well, one that's not his friend at the end. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. I'm like, well, Sandman kind of makes peace with it. He's like, sort of an anti-villain a little bit, and then Jane, James Franco is like, similarly has amnesia for a good chunk of the movie. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> yeah. God. So Spider-Man three. Ah oh, man, we skipped. Over. We'll come back to No Country for Old Men for those, for those few listeners that open up the Wikipedia and look at the names down the list in the order you think we're going to talk about them. But today we're well, skipping to the middle. Well, what happened is I accidentally read when I was reading <laughs> the nominees. I went directly from the award page, which has Topher Grace and Javier Bardem flipped. Oh, weird. But you know, I guess we'll. I think it's. You know, we'll go in the way I announced it, just because... Yeah. But yeah, no, Spider-Man 3. Uh, this is the movie I've watched the farthest away from today, um, but I still... Oh, man, it's weird, because I watched it in chunks. Uh, this one, I feel like, did not, did not unfortunately get the same treatment as Sweeney Todd, where it was one clean sweep through. Like, this was very much, like, 20, 30 minutes at a time. Also because it's something that I've seen before and, like, don't really need to, like, you know, watch it all as one cohesive piece to, like, understand what's happening. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I... So, on my old Instagram account that I that I lost uh, over, I think over half a year ago now, um, I had a post where I ranked, or not ranked, but I reviewed all the Spider-Man movies that existed up to that point. Um, where, uh, in retrospect, I unfairly maligned the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Um, but they're all kind of jokes. They're all kind of jokes, except for Spider-Man 3, where I, like, I sat down and I wrote out like this paragraph about how beautiful the Sandman scene is. Yeah, the joke um, of Spider-Man 3 is it's like a very, like, thing where you're like, it's just such a, like, Sandman. <laughs> and I I still stand by that. Not the, I think I would probably revise that. Um, I did, I think Amazing Spider-Mans have their charms. Because um, the joke with that is, oh, I remember what it was. The Instagram post was best scenes from each movie. And the um, Amazing Spider-Mans were the credits. Yeah. I think just... you did a little dab. Just... <laughs> or oh, I think I just had Garfield, uh, like the cat, <laughs> just like slightly faded in the background. Um, and that one also, I don't know, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. I think that one also ended with the uh, uh, a slight hint at the Great Vulture Spider-Man uh, homecoming debate. That's how uh, that started. <laughs> like, <laughs> our big argument over if it made sense that the Vulture was threatening him with a gun after kind of deduced if he could have yeah. logically deduced he was Spider-Man to be confident enough <laughs> to like threaten a kid with a gun. Honestly, I feel like you've you've moved my needle on that a little bit because I think I was looking I think one aspect that I definitely when I made that post that I had not I still stand by my position, but I've definitely moved a little bit more is that one thing I hadn't considered was that like how desperate he probably was. Um yeah. but I'm still weighing that with the idea that this could just be some kid. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, maybe one day we'll get a chance to reopen that, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. One day, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, oh no. Like you, you can go on Spider-Man three. Yeah. Spider-Man three. Um, it's, it's really weird. I think, and this is just a feeling I have, I feel like it's, it's not horrible it's definitely not horrible it's definitely not as bad as i remember um but it's also not as ironically funny as i remember and i think it yeah. definitely peter <laughs> uh pun intended peters out near the end and i i feel like i got a really good feel for that because of the chunks i watched it in because like the first half you know i'm really enjoying myself it's setting things up pretty well like it's just kind of like you know like i feel like there's there's you know, a normal amount of focus. I really like the Sandman character. Um, I like I like his introduction. Um, I really uh, I'm trying to find the the actor. Um, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, I really like his voice. I think he's just got a really really nice voice. Um, I kind of wish the movie was just like exclusively him. Um, yeah, like this movie, I feel like. This movie does a weird, it does that weird thing that I feel like a lot of rough movies have where it it kind of teeters on this, like, it's doing way too much and 
it doesn't super succeed at it, and it doesn't fail hard enough for it to be super funny, except for some of the new Goblin stuff. Um, that can be, like, pretty entertaining. Yeah. So, I think this movie is very good. Um, like, I, I'll, I'll get into my history with it in a minute, but basically, um, it is a movie, like, it's, I am someone who does love, I would rather a movie try and give me everything and, like, do it half well than very successfully, like, like, just give me, you know, like, I'd rather have the ambition than them just going, all right, here's another, like, easy Spider-Man thing we can nail. Though, in this case, um, this is a film that famously the studio's like, hey, we want Venom in here, as he was already, like, planning to do, you know, like, Sandman stuff. And as a result of that, it's a movie that has, um, roughly three or four store, like, three big villains and kind of four storylines kind of and it has room for maybe like two villains three stories like it's definitely overstuffed but the but the highs are just oh so high um this also is a film i have a lot of nostalgia for because it is the first movie i ever saw in kind of a midnight release back when that was the thing um I was 14 at the time, and kind of my older friends were like, hey, you want to come and see, like, Spider-Man 3 with us at midnight? I'm like, yeah! And it's maybe one of the best, like, theatrical experiences I ever had. Um, My, like, I don't think I've told this, yeah, no, I, I there would be no reason for me to tell my Spider-Man 3 story on mic, but, the, but I still remember, like, the atmosphere in that theater, and it was just, like, electric at points. Like, everyone was just trying to wrap their head head around it, and then, famously, um, in a moment that'll live on in my mind, when the slap happens, like, the slap happens, and everyone is kind of shocked. And then my friend Lane lets out, like, a nervous, like, ha! Like, a, just, like, a nervous laugh, and then someone, then some other person in the theater shouts out, Dude, not funny! Like, like, that was, like, the energy in the theater. (laughs) 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 Oh, that does sound... That does sound lovely. Oh, man. No, it's definitely, like... I feel like, yeah, this is a movie that is, yeah, really bloated. And unfortunately, I feel like where it could have probably trimmed the most was with the the titular nominee with uh Topher Grace and like I feel like a compliment to the film is that like I don't even really hate his stuff it's just like it's just like too much in a movie it's like I don't know I feel like I'm not a big comic guy so I don't know how these stories are supposed to go but like I feel like you could have just like shifted all of like the crazy new goblin stuff onto him because he already seemed like a pretty unhinged person um that could have like i feel like filled a lot of that void and then james franco could just be like a normal guy (laughs) and not like crazy and then with amnesia and then crazy with amnesia and then fine (laughs) and then 
Uh, well, James Franco, you have to resolve his, his arc that's been playing out over the movies. And I do think... Uh, I stick up for a lot of the new Goblin stuff, mainly because... Uh, and we'll get to this eventually when the podcast gets the best fight, but I do think this the, the f- initial fight with him and Peter, where Peter is trying to, like, catch that ring, like, that is spectacular, like, oh. series-high stuff. Oh, yeah, that was so good. That was, like... I was, like, on super cloud nine with that. Yeah. Um, oh, so I think, man, I don't know how you feel about it, but I know one thing that did, I really love that scene, but one thing that did irk me was how quippy they were during the last fight. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't seem like they were, it doesn't seem like they should be there yet. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, it yeah it kind of results like it makes sense that uh, it's well it's sad when Harry like dies but yeah it is kind of where we're all of a sudden it's like oh yeah it's like old times again and it's like he yeah I was like um maybe neither of you should be at this space but you know yeah. some sometimes all it takes is a butler who's like okay fine your dad your father did do this to himself like. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know. I don't know if, like, the stab wounds coming from his own glider is enough for... Because couldn't it just be Spider-Man stabbed him with his own glider? That Um, is what almost happens in No Way Home. Yeah, I was about to say that. Like, they couldn't, like... I, I, I get it. This is a perfect example of one of those things that, like, if something like this nitpicky happened in, like, a musical, like, who cares? But the fact that it happened in, like, a more regular movie i'm like oh that's kind of a plot hole that's a bit of a plot hole there yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah ding <laughs> <laughs> yep oh uh, but you know i feel like yeah i feel like there's definitely a really good movie in there and i'm glad yeah. that i'm glad that, that i'm glad that it's just a good movie for you and i feel like i feel like if you know it's something i throw on in the background like i'm not gonna hate it if it's not at a party i'm gonna watch it it just like i I feel like it also didn't help that because I was watching it in chunks, I feel like there would be like a session where all I saw was the rough parts and then I just had to like watch that and then leave it and then go like, ah, but on that same token, I also got to watch parts that were just really good and got me going like, okay, I definitely see, I see why this movie, like why people like still really like it. Like there's definitely great things about it. Yeah. But no, Topher Grace this this was definitely casting that was kind of controversial for a way. Since in the comics, Eddie Brock, it is similar where he's like, oh, he's a he's he's like a rival photographer. He gets fired for different reasons, like there. That's because like he was just a recurring Spider-Man character for like a while, and then the black suit was it came from this one of the first big crossover events, Secret Wars, and it kind of came for, like, so he had this outfit for, like, a year, and then they revealed it was, like, an alien, and he kind of got it off him, and then a bit later, Venom came along, but, so, sorry, but, but yeah, like, he was, like, a more muscular guy, and I also think, initially when it was announced, oh, it's a black suit movie, I think people assumed that it was going to end with him becoming Venom, and that they weren't going to just rush Venom to also be in the movie, because... Yeah. 
Because, like, if you did it where it's the black suit and it ends kind of on a bit of a cliffhanger or, like, a sequel tease of... Yeah, even, like, if you kind of just end up with, like, the the church scene from, like, a... Maybe it's not directly after he, like, knocks it off. Though that also is just really funny, like, just where that he happens to be at the church at the time where he's doing the bell stuff, like... <laughs> Yeah, oh there's a really there's a really funny post pointing out that like he's just like what a what a hateful person that like he like is in the church wishing Peter Parker would die like not Spider-Man like not like you know like a villain against superhero just a guy wishing another guy was dead <laughs> in a church. Oh yeah, well he he got on fire and he got Oh there's the whole when sees another element in this where it's like like, you're trying to do too much here, but it is kind of funny where, like, he's like, yeah, it's my girlfriend, Gwen. And then she's like, we went on, like, one date. Slow your roll. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's... I'll, I'll also say, like, the, the Jameson stuff in here does not get to the heights of this, my beloved Spider-Man 2, like, scene I can play in my head of him going, oh, he was a hero, and then, like, he seals the suit and he's going. But it is very funny when, like, the little girl, like, just charges him for a camera. (laughs) Oh, that's really, that's really solid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Nah, I wish we could have got, wish we could have got that Spider-Man 4. That would have been, I feel like that would have been pretty neato. Yeah. Spider-Man 4, except... Just, you know, Sony was like, no, you can't make a movie about the Vulture. That's crazy. No one will want it, you know? Listen, yeah. one of the Vulture's most iconic things is that he he chumps the gun when it comes to, you know, teenagers he thinks is Spider-Man. How are you going to integrate that into the movie? I mean, I think their concern was, up to that point, the Vulture's thing was, he's a senior citizen who flies around in a Vulture suit. <laughs> Oh, what's that? Oh my! When you showed me the Spectacular Spider-Man show, what was that one? That one joke. That's so funny. <laughs> oh yeah, because in the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, um, available on Disney Plus now, it was also on Netflix in Canada. It still might be, but yeah, there is a thing where Vulture works for like Norman Osborn, and he gets fired, and he and he calls him a buzzard, and then he like show. And then later on, he's, like, kidnapping Norman Osborn, who is not evil in this one, like, initially. So he's kidnapped Norman Osborn and has him, like, in his closet. He's like, ah, he's like, see, now I've become what you've called me, a vulture. He's like, I called you a buzzard, you idiot! (laughs) (laughs) Vulture just goes, what? (laughs) What? I don't think he calls him an idiot, but it's definitely, like, this very condescending... No, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I think, like, the roof just got, like, ripped off the top of his car. And, like, that's his first thought would be, like, um, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, so this was... I remember being excited because as a kid I grew up on kind of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon where Venom eventually becomes a pretty big part of that. So, I was excited for Venom and watching the stuff here, I mean... Well, now we have the Tom Hardy Venom, which is, I think, a lot better, but there is some fun stuff here, and I do kind of wish you get a little bit more screen time of the actual Venom, because it's a lot of, like, him just sort of off to the side, and 
or just really quick shots of him. Yeah. Um, and another thing is this movie is like pretty much directly responsible for, I mean, maybe the final season of that 70s show wouldn't have, would still have been bad if Topher Grace was on it. Like, he left that 70s show to do that movie, and now it's a final season where I go through, like, three episodes of that before I'm like, I'm just gonna watch the last one where Topher Grace comes back. Like, um... um anything else we have to say about Spider-Man 3? No. I think I got it all out. Wish they right? would have nominated the Sandman. <laughs> yeah. That would have made me pin a more, like interesting discussion because as you said the Sandman scene is spectacular yeah yeah Yeah. now moving on to no country for old men yeah oh man this is this is a week where i think i've seen a couple of the at least two or i guess three i've seen beowulf before um yeah no country for old men okay yeah yeah, i was i was curious with your history of this because this is like a pretty notable movie, I think. Um, oh, the, I think the only reason I've seen it is because I think it's I think it's Ian's favorite movie. Uh, yes. It's one of his favorite movies, and he put it on one day, and we just kept watching it. It was it was really really cool. Yeah, right. I, this may have come up before, but yeah, No Country for Old Men is definitely a movie that I think pops up on a lot of people, uh, particularly men's like best films of all time list i know it's certainly like it it's not it's not my like favorite favorites but it's definitely where i'm like yeah no this is undeniably like a great film mm-hmm. yeah no uh sorry to kind of talk like to kind of go from starting with the ending but i think something that i forgot about that always really like shook me about the ending is that like uh, uh, spoilers for the movie is that um, uh, Javier and Josh Brolin's character just like never meet face to face and never have that final confrontation. Uh, like Josh Brolin's character just dies to the cartel just like off screen, and then the movie just sort of just has like a couple like last quiet scenes and then it's over. Yeah, the ultimate final confrontation is between like. Yeah, um, a- Anton, and then like Kelly McDonald's character, and it's r- it's a really striking scene too, because she's the one character who re- refuses to buy into his premise, like the idea where he's like, "All right, f- flip the co- flip the coin," and her going going, "No, like if you're going to kill me, this is like a choice you have made." Yeah, like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of has a saw thing going on where it's like, I didn't do it, the coin did it. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, like... Actually, it it's funny that we have recorded the 2009 episode where we briefly talk about Two-Face, because it's funny that it is a very similar bit to, like, Two-Face, kind of, where he has this coin, except he... But he literally, yeah, does not kill you if he gets, like, the right, right luck, but... And there's, I think I have it written and down on my, because I think my letterbox review is just one of their, kind of that final exchange be, between them that I think is so striking, but, um, yeah. The exchange, 
sorry. Um, yeah, the the bit where uh she's refusing to like do the coin thing, and she's like, "The coin ain't got no say. It's just you." And he's like, "Well, I got here the same way the coin did." Like, just... yeah. No, it's hot. It is a. I'm a really yeah. It's it's. I also really like the. I like the initial coin scene too. It's just like this really like tense, unsettling scene. Um, yeah. No, he's a. He's a. He's a like a like probably one of like the best villains that we'll like talk about. It's just this mo like super iconic, super like threatening and just kind of scary. Uh, just like. It's weird. He's like he's almost like a he's almost like a horror uh, icon with like his iconic like weapon, <laughs> um, like the little uh, little uh, I can't remember what it's called, like the air canister thing. Yeah, I I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, he's definitely I think one of the more influential villains that uh, we've had since, especially for the yeah. Just kind of the original sort of agent of, yeah. I'm not even sure. It's not even really like an agent of chaos, but just someone of like pure who's just purely committed to his own principles and his own kind of like code, and is just using this for evil, basically. Like, yeah, it's just someone that like can't be bribed, like can't be like can't be like reasoned with. Like he's very much like yeah, yeah. He he is like a force and. And, like, obviously, it, it's my villain. We talk about a lot of people who are evil, but his evil feels kind of different and chilling because, yeah, as you said, like, it's not like he has, like, a larger plan. He's just kind of doing his job. And is, yeah. And if you get in the way of him and his job, like, he will kill you and he will justify it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's truly like just like an un it's like unhinged, but he's like very calm. It's like he's yeah, very much like he doesn't he either doesn't think what he's doing is wrong or he like doesn't believe in wrong. Like he's just very like Yeah. Very stoic about literally everything. He is like a classic and this movie was, I believe, based on like yeah. It's based it's based on a Cormac McCarthy novel, but I'm like, it is, but also, this is, I believe, the first and maybe only Coen Brothers movie we talk about on this podcast, but he is a classic, like, Coen Brothers character. He has, like, his idiosyncrasies, but he also has, like, his very specific, this is my deal, and, like, and as much as that could seem like one note, there all, there's always another layer to it, yeah yeah no it's uh yeah this movie is just like just like a really like kind of uh just compelling like romp that like there's always it always feels like there's just like a little bit of tension in the scene um and i'm always i always like i said earlier i'm always really struck by how it ends um and like how i think we talked about how uh like Tommy Lee Jones, like just like never inter like never really interacts directly with any of the main cast or even like the I don't even think he never even talks to like um what's his name? 
Woody Harrelson? I think he's in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Woody Harrelson as, like, another person who is kind of hired to get the money. Yeah, and he's just, like, they're just always just, like, way too late to the crime and just, like, don't know what to do. And he ends up just retiring just because it's just too much, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's the idea of, like, he's a very, like, old-school heroic type where you could see kind of, like, in a classic Western, him just riding in and being able to save the day. And now it's kind of thing that this is what evil is now, and there's no real place for that kind of, like, you know, old noble cowboy figure. Like, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, Tommy Lee Jones is, like, really good in it, and yeah, I'll say he is, like, I am, it is always something where I am always relieved that he makes out of the film alive, even if he's now, like, disillusioned and retired. Like, it's... Yeah, no, it always is, uh, it's just nice that he gets, like, a somewhat happy ending. He isn't, like, uh, he isn't completely gone. But, like, yeah, it is, like, kind of, like, it is kind of weird how, like, each of the, each of, because there's kind of, yeah, there's more or less, like, three-ish protagonists. There's, yeah, Josh Brolin, um, Javier, and then Tommy Lee Jones. And they each have, like, weird endings, because Josh Brolin just, like, Josh Brolin just, like, dies off screen. Like, you never get to see it, never gets, like, a big epic confrontation with, like, someone who's kind of been taunting him. Um, and then Anton, uh, like, kills, um, what's the character's name? He kills Carson Wells, and then he kills Carla Jean. Yeah, Carla, yeah, Carla Jean. Um, yeah, uh. Was it Kelly Kelly McDonald? Um, pretty sure. Yeah, looking at the Wikipedia. Um, yeah, and then like he just sort of drives off, and then just gets into like a fender bender. Like, so, like he gets like t-boned really hard, and then he just has to like hobble off. And it's just this like weird like, it's just this weird moment where he's like, he's still like very much like he's calm, he's collected, but like he's clearly like very hurt, and like he's just like almost like a little bit vulnerable and just like it's just a, it's just such a weird ending for him and that's like the last you see of him and then you get sort of like the final scene with tommy lee jones just talking about his dreams to his yeah. wife again it's classic kind of coen brothers stuff where it's stories of like morality that kind of z- zag where you expect them to zig and have like kind of anti-climaxes and stuff like I watched The Big Lebowski for the first time the other day, and it was a similar thing where you're like, okay, this is where where it gets it. There's all these odd little detours and and fanciful things, and this film is kind of like that, except instead of a comedy, it is pretty, like, yeah, pretty big drama, and I'll say, I think the thing with the car accident is, it's a reminder that for as scary as this guy is, he is still kind of mortal. Like, it's a moment where you're like, oh yeah, this isn't like the devil or something, he's just a guy, which almost makes him scarier. Like it's Yeah, he's no he's no demon barber, nor devil in Prada. Just a regular guy who's just like, really motivated and crazy. Like, yeah. But it just, he ends up just being like, very fun to watch. Just like, and just like a very like, very good performance, like very chilling. 
Um, like, absolutely love it. Yeah, this was, I think, yeah, last thing we were talking about the, the Departed, where, yeah, I, yeah, you know, it, it's impressive that, like, Jack Nicholson got to win for The Departed, and I think this does kind of, the fact that, like, he did not win here does sort of signal the idea that the MTV Movie Awards are starting to go in the, the direction where, yeah, it's going to be the people with the big fandoms, and... Oh, yeah, but, like, I feel like this is, like, this is, like, an award show for, like, the teens, and I feel like if yeah. you were to show teenagers Sweeney Todd and then Anton, I feel like <laughs> who they thought was, like, the most villainous or the most, like like evil it'd be pretty easy i mean they'd still probably say anton but like but they like that more it's the thing yeah like exactly yeah it, it becomes more of a personality but it, it's still nice that he kind of gets in here like the sort of end of an era turning point for like the best villain category like it, yeah it's nice it's nice you get your kind of a- anton shiger in here um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i'm glad we got him on here too yeah, and I'll say we don't always know what to say for like the big iconic films, but I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. So, do we got anything else to say on No Country for Old Men? No. Feel all good. Yeah, I'm and all good. What is the next one? Beowulf. Yeah, this is another iconic movie for a very different reason, and that. It is CGI animated, kind of bafflingly, but it's weird. I think I realized something. Um, as we were talking about Spider-Man 3, and I was thinking about all the scenes in Spider-Man 3 that look a little janky, uh, CGI-wise. And I kind of, I think I came over on my opinion is that I feel like more movies like Beowulf should exist. Because when the entire movie is CGI... You don't really notice the scenes where the CGI is not very good because it's just how it looks the entire time. Um, I didn't remember how much the characters genuinely look like human Shrek characters. I thought it was much better than I remember. Um, it, yeah, like the the graphics on this movie were much worse than I remember. Uh, it's still like really really pretty, but I thought it was like like. You take if you took some screenshots of this and like put them next to like yeah like I said like Shrek ones like Shrek humans like they're not especially Shrek four like Shrek Shrek four human next to like you know a brightly lit scene in this movie like absolutely <laughs> it's like the same thing see and if we had had the guess I tried very hard to get on for this episode because he loves Beowulf he would have immediately like already have gone into like how good he feels like this and all the stop motion or not stop motion motion captures the mechas's look but listen i i as much as i'm dogging on it right now i would much prefer a movie like beowulf where it's the entire time than something where there is cgi elements um but like they don't look the best um and like uh, you know as i think one of my chief uh or not chief but one of my like weird problems with the movies are like why not just have it be live action with some cgi parts but you know as i was watching this i was like i kind of like i kind of like that this looks like a ps3 game a little bit i think there's something really charming about that um you know in you know in that it's just something just a little weird and a little different it's kind of weird watching this movie um and then also playing 
uh, pretty close to it, like God of War Ragnarok, which is an actual video game uh, that looks beautiful. Um, that like that is this like they feel so much closer as a medium, <laughs> where it's like this story based game trying to go for like really high graphics and like really good realism, and then this movie trying to do the same thing with like CGI from two thousand eight. Yeah, like this film. Um, so imagine it's like Robert Zemeckis who's done. What is he done? We've covered on this podcast. Uh, Castaway, I believe, is the big one, and we didn't watch Flight for this podcast, did we? No. I didn't have the best case. I don't think I've. Okay, it, no. no, it's yeah, but like, but uh, famed filmmaker of Back to the Future and yeah, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and all these, all these films, um, some good, some bad, um, like Forrest Gump. Uh, a film I hate, but you know some some people like it a lot. Um, anyways, but he he's someone who, as his career has gone on, has gotten increasingly or gets increasingly interested in like technology and what you can do with um just computers. And this is the second of. Kind of a trilogy of motion capture films he does. The first of these is The Polar Express, a movie I think is bad, but I, I'm i the rare person who I'm like, no, that film looks great because it's kind of capturing the look of the book. And then the last film is Jim Carrey's A Christmas Carol, um, a movie where I think the environments look good and then all the humans and stuff, like, it looks bad and just kind of seems needless. This film... I think it looks like, as much as you're like, yeah, it's sort of janky PS3 almost, almost or whatever. I think it works for it because, like, Beowulf is, it's like mythology almost. Yeah. It's not like real people. Like, it it makes sense that this looks kind of unreal. Yeah, and like, you know, not dogging it. The PS3 had really good graphics. I feel like that's kind of, that's kind of the generation where we sort of capped out and everything else has been like very subtle changes. Um. It's just, yeah, it's just, like, it's very interesting. Uh, and, like, I think to this movie's credit, I think the scenes that are sort of dimly lit um, look really good. Because that's just the nature of CGI. Um, we don't have to worry about, like, a bright, sunny day. Like, you can kind of use the darkness to sort of hide any imperfections. But, like, yeah, the dark scenes in this movie look incredible. They they honestly, at some points, almost look real. It's just when you get sort of outside into the light... Um, it's where you get a bit bit wonky. Um, I also appreciate this movie that it does, you know, use its medium somewhat appropriately. Like it has big scary monsters. It has a dragon. Um, and I don't know. I think I really like, I like that it's like 100% CGI. And that way when a big CGI thing happens, it just, it doesn't look more real, but it looks more appropriate. I just like, I I, I think I've come around on my, on my Beowulf, my my CGI weirdness about the movie. Yeah, and no, yeah, like I think this film's great. There's really good action stuff. Um, it is, it is a film that uh, I forget. Did you see Green Knight last year? Or I did see Green Knight. Yeah, no, it's like I I got very much like I kind of got the same ish vibes where it's you get to see like yeah. a a king who gets there somewhat illegitimately sort of growing old yeah it 
it's also uh, I brought it up because both Green Knight and this film are based kind of on poems and kind of expand those poems to make the characters at their center a lot more complex. Like Beowulf, I I've never read Be- Beowulf. Like um, I'm on I'm an English minor. I didn't take those like particular classes of oh sixth century po- poems and things, but it is kind of a film, or, like, the poem is basically, he's, you know, Beowulf is this hero, he comes to the aid of this guy, it's killed by, well, it's like he kills Grendel, then he kills Grendel's mother, and then later on he is, like, king, and he, like, kills this dragon, but is also mortally wounded, and, and, uh, done it, and the poem is basically, it's your classic, this guy's a hero, and he's traveling great distances, and he's, like, winning against impo- impossible odds. And the thing I find so interesting about this this film, um, and, yeah. Go back to our roots when we used to, like, pl- plot summarize a bit more, is it, it makes it more complex where it's the idea, like, the, the monsters, the thing, like, playing them comes more to the idea of the king's own, like, the king, initially, like, first, I forget the king's name, but King, you know, Hrothgar, and then, like, Anthony Hopkins, and then later Beowulf, but the idea of this power corrupts. Yeah, I actually, I did not know that. I thought, uh, I thought that the poem, or I thought, I didn't know it was a poem, I thought it was just, like, a short story, which I guess a poem kind of is. Um... I thought the poem, like, had all the cool elements of, like, he doesn't actually kill Grendel's mother. Like, he actually, like, um, makes a son with her and also, like, gets a bunch of power from her. Yeah, no, that that's all stuff they kind of, like, made and them going where they're like, what is, like, the chain of this event? Where does this dragon come from? And then I think the thing they eventually settled is the idea that what if, like, the legend was just that he killed his mother, and, like, that no one actually knows that he, in fact, like, was seduced by her and created this dragon? Like, yeah, that's really interesting. I like that a lot. Man, yeah. this movie just gets better oh. and better. Oh, yeah, there's, like, uh, there's an interview with one of the screenwriters, I'm, you know, South Wikipedia, that, like, basically went so into differences from the poem, where they're, like, there's a lot of questions. For example, Grendel is described as a half-man, half-demon. The mother is described as a water demon. So who's his father? Like, he's always dragging men off alive to the cave. Why? Why is he never attacking the king? And if, like, you know, the king's Grendel's father, then what happens to Beowulf when he goes into that cave? You know, did he kill the monster? Did he kill Grendel's mother? Or did he make a pact? Like, and... Yeah, and I think it does, like, it does make it more interesting to have Beowulf kind of flawed. And... No, I really, I really like that. That was probably my favorite, like, part of the movie. It was just like, I really like the scene of on the beach where like he's just like he's like begging almost this guy to like hit him with the axe. Um, that's just like a really like, oof. I really really like that scene. Also, the the ripping out the heart is also just a really good action scene as well. Yeah, and also. The idea that at the end, as he's dying, he want like he wants the truth to come out. He wants like to acknowledge his son, 
But then the guy's like, no, no, we gotta keep your legacy intact. And then, you know, it ends with the implication that this cycle is probably just gonna repeat itself because, hey, Grendel's mother is still out there. (laughs) Because Grendel's mother is still hot. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. uh, How did you feel about Grendel's mother as an antagonist? Yeah. But, again, that was kind of an interesting choice where you're like, oh, yeah, really, but I guess in a way, it she is kind of the antagonist that she is. The, well, I mean, the, the men here, they're making their own choices, but, like, she's a, she is playing the role of the temptress. She is successfully tempting these people, and, uh, yeah, Angelina Jolie does, like, I think, yeah, she does a good job, I'd say, like, she... She naturally has a lot of screen presence, and I think that translates well to, like, the CGI. Um, yeah, I kind of wish that, um... I guess she's, like, supposed to, like, be sexy, and I feel like you can't go too hard into, like, the monster design and, like, still have her be sexy. And I, I guess the best we got was sort of, like, the weird... I don't know if it was, like, a scorpion's pincer, like, a weird, like, spear thing she had. Like, her hair, I think. Um, but, yeah... Because, like, I don't, I think I really like the design of Grendel. Just how, like, gross he is. And just how, like, how absolutely, like, abominable he is. Um, and then just to get Angelina Jolie's character, who's essentially just, like, a naked golden woman. With just, like, not very much, like, interesting visually. Um, I don't know. I guess it's, like, hard, I feel like. Because, you know, you do want her to still be, like, a very, like, very sexy, very temptressy. I guess you can't really do that, uh, go too hard on that, unless you want to reveal some weird things about Beowulf. Yeah, yeah, like, you, you kind of have to, like, keep her kind of human to that, that extent. It's, yeah, say, Angelina Jolie has said in interviews that she was startled by, like, how naked the, like, character is when she's, like, kind of more humanish. Like, um, yeah. Oh man, it's so weird. My first, uh, ma- my first awareness of this movie was in a uh, disaster movie, the sort of like epic, scary movie style movie, uh, where his entire joke is that he's just naked, um, which like I guess makes sense given like that scene where like he's like fighting and he's just like getting like he's like tastefully covered by like a a knife in the foreground um i guess that kind of makes sense uh i was that is uh it is strange it is strange that that was my first interaction with this and now i've kind of come full circle and seen the movie in its entirety oh good it's been a while since we've brought up a seltzer's like yeah. spoof movie listen i it's weird those were a weird part of my uh adolescence i think i've, I've i saw a great number of them um they were the disaster movie is probably one of the worst ones though it is it is truly reference without stub substance <laughs> i think yeah i think beowulf um, like fights kung fu panda in that scene apparently sorry i'm looking at like a plot summary of it now and yeah maybe he doesn't show up like i don't know if he actually fights kung fu panda but kung fu like those scenes are like pretty close together. Oh yeah, I guess maybe they're just like one. Yeah, because yeah, that, that yeah, that movie is. 
I don't even know. It's like, yeah. it's bizarre. It is a bizarre, bizarre film. Those movies are, they're bizarre. They're strange. I remember there was, I was on YouTube one night and I saw like a, it was like a, it was like a horror movie version of them, but I don't think it was made by like the main guys. It was like, it was something else. It was like Van Helsing, but it was something, it was like Stan, I think it was Stan Helsing. Um, I remember like skipping through that and it was just, I don't, I don't know who can make those movies. And like, it's so, they're so like weirdly, they don't even like, it can't even like accidentally write like a good joke. They're very strange. They're very strange to me. I don't understand them very well. Yeah. I mean, I think we know who can write, or, oh, unless you're saying, like, who can write, like, these bad versions of the movies, and, like, we know who can write the good versions. Yeah, or I just mean, like, like, I guess maybe, maybe I need to, like, give it a more, maybe I need to give these all more of a fair shake, because truly I've, I haven't watched one to completion in quite some time. I just sort of, like, either start them or skip through them, but, like, it's just they have a very <laughs> weird writing style. You do not need to give Disaster Movie a more fair shake. No, that one, I don't because I watched it so many times. I probably, I have, that movie's implanted in my brain. I think I remember every single scene and, like, the order in which they happen. I know there's, like, an Alvin and the Chipmunks thing. There's, like, an Iron Man joke. There's a Hulk joke. Um, Yeah, the main thing I remember from, like, Disaster Movie, which I don't, I do not see it, but... Um, our friend, our friend, like, past and future guest, Jack, like, he was watching it because he was trying to watch all the films that got, like, an F cinema score, and he was watching it with another future, future guest, uh, and, and, like, just kind of losing his mind, and then they're like, oh, the musical number at the end's kind of good, and then I learned there's, because it ends with, you know, this yeah, the song, it's- I'm dating, or if you're watching the uncensored version, I'm, I'm effing. Matt Damon. Yeah. yeah like, Except that it goes to all the characters, because it is, like, literally, that is just a song Sarah Silverman had, like, done um, ba- back in the day, and, but, yeah, it, that's what I was talking about, and I can't believe so much of the Beowulf segment is about this now, but, like. <laughs> well, it's because Beowulf's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But the dating version is just funnier when you know that it's supposed to be I'm fucking, because, like. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> the people in, like, high school just talking about, oh, dating, dating on the floor and on the walls, and you're like, oh, wow. Just... <laughs> yeah, no, it was, yeah, it's, they're strange, there's, it's a strange genre, the parody film, or at least, like. I feel like there needs to be like two separate categories. I feel like there's like, I feel like there's like really good parody films, like kind of what Austin Powers is to like a James Bond movie. Like there's like good, well done, almost like not even, they almost become their own thing at a certain point. And then there's like, or literally not another teen movie or the Naked Gun 2, which we have covered for this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, it's just like. Oh, maybe maybe I do understand them. Maybe they just need to be better written because I feel like Not Another Team Movie is one that does a lot of like references. But it, the thing is that like I don't know the references. I don't get the references. But there are just scenes that are just so funny in that movie. Like the I think we talked about it before, but like the Chris Evans like looking at the picture, like turning to it, like thumbs up and smile, and then going to the next picture, which is a picture of him in front of the first picture, thumbs up and smiling, and then he just does it again, like. There's just so many like great scenes, and then just like the I was actually just whispering like nonsense into their ear. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, we got so distracted away from Beowulf. Yeah. Um. Do we have anything else to say on Beowulf? Uh no. I'm pretty sure he's in that. He must be in that final song number as well. Yeah, I forgot who he's supposed to be dating. I think is it? Maybe it is Kung Fu Panda. Um, I'm gonna have to look up that song after we're done. Yeah, nostalgia trip. Um, but first, um, a movie that wasn't talked about in Disaster Movie, American Gangster. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. This was a very, very good movie. This is very like, it's kind of like it's up there with stuff like um kind of like the uh the departed almost where it's just this kind of just like solid just a solid movie uh about sort of a just like sort of a sort of building of like a crime family but like um obviously denzel washington's character is just like trying to do it by the books as much as he can like he's trying to very much like he wants to do it clean. He wants to like cut out the middleman. Um, uh, what did you think of the movie? Yeah. So this is the film I've seen the most recently because, yeah, um, it was the one where like I'm pretty sure I had watched it in June or maybe I just I think like I had just fallen or I had fallen asleep for like part of it because I was very tired and do not kind of did not get back to it so i so i rewatched, and i think it is an interesting film um you, you know as we said in training day denzel washington doesn't play the villain that much um it it's also interesting because it is it's based on a true story frank lucas is a real person and when we say based on a true story it's me um there has been a some controversy between like people who were involved mainly on like the law enforcement side as to yeah so also like the crime side as to how how much of this was actually true and how much is just um people taking lucas's stories that like just face value like um when the judge in the case said, oh, the real-life Frank Lucas was illiterate, vicious, violent, and everything Denzel Washington is not. And then former DAA agents, like, said that, oh, the film is fictionalized and defamed them and hundreds of other agents. But that got dis- dismissed, even though, oh yeah, even though the judge was like, the inner hell at the end... They said, oh, Lucas's cooperation led to, like, the arrest of hundreds of DAA agents was in, inaccurate. Like, it didn't meet the legal standards of defamation, because it failed to show, like, someone, like, you, who you could reasonably go, oh yeah, this is clearly this real person. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I... Yeah, oh, so, okay. So, like, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, they didn't, like, be like, oh, and then, like, they definitely brought this person down, and it's, like, clearly a fictionalized yeah. version of someone else. It's just sort of, he generally brought down stuff, and it wasn't, like, enough for yeah. defamation. He, yeah, like, he he helped a bit. This is, there's also stuff that, like, um, it's disputed to if he was actually the right-hand man of, of, like, Bumpy Johnson, and if he was really, like, more powerful than the Mafia and the mastermind behind the Golden Triangle. Like, 
One of his biographers has said that, oh, there, there's no evidence to, like, his claim that he wants to use coffins to, like, ship, ship heroin and that, you know, journalists were mostly relying on, like, secondary sources, but... It does make for a good that, movie. It does yeah, it makes for, for an it makes for an interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. No, it does make for a movie. I re- again uh, doing it twice and twice. Uh, kind of starting with the end. Um, but I, I do like how him and Russell Crowe are just like buddies at the end. We're just like getting coffee together. Um, I don't know why that just was like just like a sweet a sweet way to end the movie that was that was about this like you know like horrible eh, like yeah like pretty like horrible kingpin type figure yeah this yeah it it is interesting that you know one of those ideas of oh it's a cop and criminal but you know they're not that different in the end (laughs) yeah oh man i was also like i'm glad that they they explained it a couple times later in the movie because i fully did not understand what was happening with the money and russell crowe at the beginning and that it was like okay he turned in the like hundred million or whatever the million dollars and that's why everyone hates him because he should have just like taken it with his partner (laughs) um yeah yeah it was just like yeah it was it was i was definitely like i was like what's happening why is everyone mad like that's what a cop should do you should return the money uh, but not at all. I think they reiterated it a couple times later in the movie. I was like, oh, okay, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. When uh, when you're showing, hey, I'm incorruptible um, for an institution that's famously kind of corrupt, especially, well, not especially in that time period, but certainly notable in that time per- period for, like, their corruption yeah it makes sense that he's not gonna be the most popular guy <laughs> yeah exactly i mean to be fair if we ever found a million dollars you know i would turn it in immediately yeah, <laughs> yeah. but the, but the vietnam stuff like especially like the coffin scene like this is all really compelling like when russell crowe is just like fighting to get those coffins open and i was like what are you doing like you're way <laughs> out of your depth here like we're not gonna let you open these like coffins. Like, it's yeah. just a really—it's a funny scene, <laughs> but like, it's also just like, yeah, it's also like, it's also like kind of like a it doubles as sort of a nice like kind of tense scene because like, is he gonna find it? Is he gonna like uncover it? Um, yeah, it's really really good. This is yeah another another really good like solid like, um, sort of like having like almost yeah like the two protagonists sort of on opposite sides of the story sort of doing their own thing um yeah what if yeah definitely a one of the longer movies on our list but very very good yeah i think that's also like how i fell asleep the first time where i'm like oh right this thing's over two hours and 40 minutes long and yeah yeah one thing I'm forward is I've begun just watching more stuff in chunks, like on on my phone, because I have a better phone now where I can like down download things or like just watch like picture in picture as I do stuff. Where I'm like, American Gangster, I feel would have been one of those films. Like I think now at the now for me, as opposed to a couple of months ago, where I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this properly, sure. Uh, so if, soon at this rate neither one of us will be watching the movies we'll just be 
injecting it into our veins in liquid form. I mean, <laughs> we are getting into a point where I have seen many of the movies that like we've covered mm. before. So in theory, I don't gotta watch anything. But... <laughs> no, uh, I will. I... Yeah, and I'll watch. I'll watch. You know the things I haven't seen and. I usually try to watch the things I have seen unless I've seen it like in the month or if it's uh, the Batman, a super duper long movie. But I, I'll probably still watch that one again when the time comes yeah. around. Did you get to Avatar in theaters? I did not, unfortunately. Um, uh, yeah. Gonna have to watch that like a regular person on his phone. You know, the way, the way he intended. Uh... <laughs> it's gonna be a crazy episode last one we record where I'm just freaking now about like avatar and then also not the hangover but certainly the hangover part three <laughs> yeah that's oh what, man yeah. might need to watch the hangover two in preparation the only one i have not seen yeah um but that's for the future um denzel washington yeah again really good job like it's it's like his again, he's not playing a flashy like scene chewing like mob mobster type villain here he's not be he's not being like jack nicholson and the departed he's just being this like really competent guy like yeah that's the kind of like neat thing about him is that he's sort of um he's a different kind of stoic to um javier where like it's not like you know like cold like and like in like a scary way but he's like he's very like He's efficient. He's got his. He's got his. You know, his ducks in order. Like he is very like, you know. But then he also has that scene where he just shoots someone in broad daylight. Um, yeah. Yeah, just like a very like, woof scene, like very shocking. Yeah, when his temper like comes out, it really just comes out. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, I know this guy is dangerous. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, that's weird. This is the one you've seen the most recently. It's definitely one of the ones that's farther back. Um, I think I watched this one and Spider-Man sort of like at the same time alternating. Um, yeah, it's, oof. it's a, it's, it's kind of strange. Uh, cause I think we're getting to the point where like, I'm on the villain list where I'm starting to see like a certain genre of movie as well. Like, I feel like this movie has like a little bits and pieces of bo- other movies that we've covered on the list. Um, and definitely like the thing that I feel like, I feel like Denzel is doing like a lot of work to make it feel at least a little bit different uh, from other things, just like with his sort of like kind of like neat personality. And I also do, I think there's something really endearing about like Russell Crowe's like um, in the same, on the same like token that uh, Denzel's character is like this, like, you know, by the books like everything is like official don't wear anything too flashy like keep it nice like rustico is this just like has just like the most integrity like like won't take like the million dollars like just like is would like is gonna like I th- i'm pretty sure he's like he's gonna like uh turn in his like partner for doing drugs before he like ods um or at least like i feel like that's kind of like he's like we gotta go do so, like he's not gonna let this slide pretty much yeah, he's an interesting character. And then, I mean, I guess the other big fictionalization is he was not going through a bitter divorce at the time. He's very happily married. 
Uh, yeah, it's one of, I feel like, you know, I feel like this movie, I feel like there's a golden rule in uh, based on true stories is that if you're going to change things, it better be to make it more interesting. And I feel like it did. I feel like the divorce stuff kind of made it a little more interesting. Um, it kind of led to a couple cool scenes, you know, like him walking out of the courthouse after going like, yeah, you're right. Like, I can't like I'm not uh, I'm not fit. It is too dangerous. Yeah, no. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so do we got anything else to say on American Gangster? No, it's just another one of those. Just a solid, solid flick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That. I feel like the, one of the most iconic things about it must be the scene where um, Denzel shoots the guy in the street. Like, that has to be one of the most, like... I feel like we, we could have got more yeah i feel like it has other scenes too but not as iconic but like that yeah the plain stuff that we talked about um yeah i think it's like a neat concept you know about like you know cutting up the middleman about how like the world's changing and stuff like that yeah you know it, it's just like a good classic like you know it's from ridley scott who did gladiator which also had russell crowe and hannibal and stuff and you know Another director who he's got his ups, he's got his downs, but he just, you know, he really knows how to make films like this. Like, yeah. Also the really well made classic entertainment. Yeah. Like, also the John Goodmanification of Russell Crowe has has started to has started to go backwards for me. That I was I had to look up whether this was Russell Crowe or John Goodman, um, just because I genuinely get them so confused now. <laughs> <laughs> It's all from that one movie, wow. uh, the one movie where he's like a crazy driver. Uh, oh my god, Unhinged or something, something like that. Uh, where Russell Crowe, I think it, that's when he's at. I think it, Unhinged, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my faves of twenty twenty. <laughs> that was it's, it's, it's a film. Yeah. I think it was like the first film I had seen in theaters because they were obviously shut down for us in the pandemic, and then. When it reopened, I'm like, okay, I'll wear my mask, but, like, I'm gonna, like, go to movies again. And I watched on Unhinge on Hinge and was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's called a courtesy tap. Sorry, I was just looking around, like, hmm, what's Ridley Scott doing next? Because, of course, last year he had two movies, The Last Duel and House of Gucci, um, both great, uh, just some crazy stuff going on in House of Gucci specifically. And next I guess he's he has currently been making a Napoleon movie with Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. Oh. That'll be interesting. So, with that, the time has come to rank these movies. Yeah. Uh, I think for the movie, again, I think we said it at the offset, this is just a solid, solid week. Um... You know, with, like, very little I didn't like. Um, yeah, my lowest film here is still, like, it's a film I like a lot. Like it's... Yeah, no, same here. Um, yeah, I think at the bottom I do have Spider-Man 3, uh, kind of for the reason that we sort of went over. You know, it does a little too much. Um, and then above that one, uh, I have Beowulf. Um, I think it's just a very, like, it's a very neat movie. Uh, I think I've come around on it quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's just kind of just this neat little short movie. Or no, I guess not short. It feels a little short. It feels like 
there's a huge time skip and then i feel like most of the movies him is like an old king i wish you gonna wish you gonna see a little more in the middle there but hey what are you gonna do uh right in the middle i have american gangster just another kind of sweet kind of neat uh sort of two sides of a conflict story that i really enjoyed then for my top two i think in second place i do have uh sweeney todd it's a very charming musical and at the top i have no country for old men just this very chilling very like suspenseful tense break movie ah uh, cool yeah and for me um at the bottom i do have american gangster again a film i like a lot it's just you know classically made there's stronger ridley stuff and i think there was a point in the middle where i was kind of you know, it loses a bit of momentum before it picks back up again with, like, coffin stuff, but... Yeah, then above that, um... I'm gonna say Sweeney Todd. You know, a film I like a lot. Um, Probably not as good as the stage production of it, but that is typically the case with uh, movie musicals, and it is fine. Still very good. And above that, Spider-Man 3, just messy, 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 so much going on, but you know what? It is a good movie, and the Tobey Maguire dancing stuff is good. You know, this, the suit's bringing out his negative traits, and that's not the same as a regular person's negative traits, because he's Spider-Man, you know? Um, oh yeah, that's, then, it is weird though that I feel like that was, for a long time, that was sort of like the... That was sort of like the kind of go-to, like, oh, this is why this movie is so bad, or like, because it's the goofy dancing, where it's like, that's like one of like the most charming parts of the movie, like, and it's like intentional. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, it's, like, like it's not supposed to be cool. Like, it, it, like look at all the people reacting to him. Like, they all think he's a big loser. <laughs> like, it's supposed yeah. to be goofy and dumb. But yeah, like, I absolutely adore those scenes. Yeah, we yeah. This is maybe not the spot to talk about, but I do think, like, Spider-Man 3, like, is portraying, like, a kind of toxic masculinity that we were maybe not aware of in, like, 2007 as much. Like, and I think that's just really effective. Um, but, for my top two, yeah, it's Beowulf in that second spot, just a really strong film. Uh, Low-key, one of Zemeckis' finest. I love it a lot. And number one, yeah, no country for old men like a favorite of many for a reason it is kind of undeniable um well i'm sure there's you could probably make a valid thing for someone to go well it's kind of overrated but on this podcast it's undeniable um, but how undeniable are the villains ooh i think my villains weirdly follow a very similar trajectory um or at the bottom i do have um uh spider-man because i feel like i feel like eddie brock he's like a little funny he's a little unhinged i like the scene where (laughs) he meets sandman it's just so abrupt and silly but i feel like him as a character just didn't get a chance to be a strong um yeah i feel like you know the in the perfect world we had a sandman green goblin movie that got to be a little less bloated and then we got a spider-man 4 with maybe vulture and venom the v double double v's for the fourth one um yeah but then above that i do have uh 
Beowulf. Uh, I think Angelina Jolie again is like, like you said, like has a really good big presence. But it's just like one. I think it's the design is a bit goofy, um, and just doesn't have a lot going on. And then two, she's just like not in it a lot, and like, like the real, you know, the real, you know, villain is the, you know, the, the power corrupting. You know, like that's, it's more. She's more of like the metaphor for that, and. You know, it's not just in it a ton, which if she was in it more, she'd probably be up higher. Uh, and then smack dab in the middle, I have um, Sweeney Todd. Uh, I feel like Johnny Depp is, I feel like he's good in this movie, but he feels almost like, he's not the weakest character, but like he's not like the character that excites me the most, though, in the movie, um, despite it like being about him. Um, you know, like... I, uh, yeah. And then, uh, for my top two, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, for second, I have Denzel Washington, just a fun, like, protagonist, like, very, like, very methodical, uh, but like, yeah, like you said, when he snaps, he snaps. Um, and then at the top, uh, we have, uh, Javier as Anton Chigurh, just very, just iconic, just like the movie. The movie and the villain really go hand in hand with this one. Yeah, um, mine are, I think, fairly similar. Yeah, Topher Grace at the bottom, just not that compelling, I would say. Like, he has his moments, but, you know, just not really room in the movie for him. And then, above that, yeah, probably Angelina Jolie, just for... Just a, a lot of presence, but as you said, it's hard to even characterize her as, like, the villain in that, really, the, the villain is, like, what she represents. Like, the villain is something that's kind of intangible, and she just kind of serves as, hey, here's a cool design, here's, like, the monsters, and yeah, and then above that, hmm, um, Honestly, a bit of a toss-up. I'm, yeah. Just for, just for, like, making these things not completely identical, I think I'll give, like, Denzel the number three spot. You know, it's Denzel Washington. He can give a performance like this in his sleep, but he tries anyways, and does it very well. Then, above that, yeah, Johnny Depp, um, you know... There's maybe ways where you can make, like, Sweeney Todd, I think, uh, a bit more, a li- maybe a little bit more campy, less, like, broody serious, and yeah, his voice isn't the best, but honestly, like, he he really sells, like, kind of the menace of the character as well as the tragedy, and yeah, Johnny Depp, you know, I have my problems with him as a person, but I think this is one of, like, the last great debt performances. Um, and then number one, yeah, it's H- Javier Bardem. It's No Country for Old Men. It's... What else can you say, really? Like, just one of the most iconic villains of the decade, I would say. Um, second, probably only to the villain we talk about next week. Just, we're in a really good stretch for just iconic villain performances 
It's just he turned out not to win. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the end of Best Villain 2008. We now come to Recommendation of the Week. What do you got this week, Ben? Ooh, I think this week, uh, I think I'm going to go with a movie that I saw recently, um, Bones and All. Uh, I can't remember the name of the director, but it's the Call Me By Your Name guy. Uh, yeah. Very, very fun movie. Try to go in it with knowing about as little as possible as you can. Uh, if you already know, like, the the thing about it, like, it's you, it's revealed, like, ten minutes in, so, like, you're not missing much, but... I I went in knowing absolutely nothing, and I was really excited. <laughs> um, I will say the thing at it is something that some people might actually want to know going in. Oh yeah, I guess um, it's but... it's messed up. If you don't like messed up things, don't go see it. <laughs> yeah, I have I ha- I haven't seen Bones and All yet. Um, I'll, I'll get to it at some point. Don't have a lot of money these days for for movies, other than. I had a bunch of scene points that I've used to see Avatar The Way of Water in IMAX 3D, which I'm very excited for. Um, but, oh, oh uh, I'm trying to think. I'll do a couple a couple things. Um, a movie I saw rec- recently that's really good is The Menu. Um, it's Ray Fiennes, nominated for, like, Voldemort there, and it is a film... It's hard to describe, like, so some would say it's kind of a comedy horror or a comedy thriller, like, it, it's hard to describe other than, like, it's a very black comedy, um, but essentially it is about this couple, they are eating at this exclusive restaurant presided by, over by Ray Fiennes, who is this legendary chef, um, this legendary chef who always has these elaborate menus planned, and it's hard to get into what happens other than uh, it's not a cannibalism movie, but let's just say Ray Fiennes is maybe a little tired of rich people food culture, and maybe has some malicious intentions of his own, and he's giving maybe one of my favorite performances of the year. The other thing I'm going to to mention, which, yeah, um, is Marvel Snap, which is how I've been occupying a lot of my like free time over the past month. Um, it is a it is a deck building like mobile PC card game. Uh, it uses Marvel characters. I have never played Hearthstone, but it is from the guy who made Hearthstone, and. Um, it is really fun. Basically, it is a game where you are building a deck of 12 cards. The 12 cards are all, like, recognizable Marvel characters that all have various abilities, and, um, they also have a certain amount of power over the course of six turns. Yeah, because unlike some card games, this one is pretty, like, you can get through rounds in just a couple of minutes, so over six turns... You are trying to, like, get the most power at three locations. There's there's a lot of elements to it. Um, the, the locations also have powers, and they are randomly generated, so 
uh, even if you're not up on card game meta, which I rarely am, like, the ra the randomness, like, keeps it on your toes enough that most strategies are kind of viable, and I recently got a Galactus card whose power is, if he's the only card at a location, he destroys the other two locations, and it, it this is a difficult card to use, but it I have just had a lot of fun playing this card and just destroying almost everything. Like, so yeah. Watch the menu, play Marvel Snap. Yeah, that's what I got. Um, but now we've come to plugs. What you got to plug, Ben? Uh, as always, I have my Twitter, at GakGak. Uh, G-H-A-K, uh, G-H-A-K, and then and there is my link tree that has all my other socials. Wow. Um, what happens if Twitter does go down? Uh, then I'm gone. <laughs> You'll never find me <laughs> You'll anywhere. have to plug the link tree. Just... <laughs> yeah, I guess I, yeah. It's the link, I don't remember how, they, they put the dot somewhere weird on link tree. It's like after the N or something. <laughs> Though it does seem like things have settled down enough um, that it doesn't seem like Twitter could go away in a weekend, but we'll see. Um, but while it's still around, you can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterboxd, also on Like a Wolverine. Um, you can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. Our Instagram, which I did update for our 50th episode, and maybe I'll do it again for this one. Is at Pass the Golden Popcorn. You can email us at Pass the Golden Popcorn at gmail.com if you're mad that we talked about di Disaster Movie for five minutes in our Beowulf segment. Um, or if you're glad we talked about Disaster Movie for like five minutes in our Beowulf segment. Um, we want to hear it. <laughs> the, yeah. Our theme song is by Matt Smard. Our art is by Ben. Um, you can, yeah, we are on Friendly Mush. There's a lot of other po podcasts there. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else I have to, like, promote. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe. Um, yeah, I think all we have left is uh, talk about what's coming up next week. So, next week, in an episode we have already recorded, like, a month ago, and Probably one where I'm like trying to write the episode description, and I'm like, I don't know. We talked about some stuff, but N next up for best villain 2009. Oh, I have clicked away from that page, so hold on. Vamping, vamping. Um, what do you think's coming up in 2009, Ben? Oh man, all right. What movies do I know existed in 2009? I don't know any. I'm trying to close my eyes and think. Um, I, if I were to take a random, random guess for 2009, I think the nominees would be uh, Jonathan Stake Stake uh, as yeah. Richard Fenton in Prom Night. Derek Myers as Jason Voorhees. Friday the 13th. Spoilers, I guess. Um, I'll try and put this little segment before that one. Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Agent, nothing in between here, 23, in Get Smart. 
that one's a twist. Uh, spoilers, I guess. Um, I'll try and put this little segment before that one. Um, Luke Goss as Prince uh, nu- uh, Nudua. Nuda? You say it in the movie. Nuada. We say it on the podcast too. Silver Lance. Hellboy 2. The Golden Army. That one's not a twist. And then finally, the winner was Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Ooh. I'll say, when I was throwing to you, I didn't necessarily mean you you do it, but I'm glad you did. Especially going bottom to top is something where I'm like, wow, maybe that's why you should have been doing the whole time. <laughs> except, we start with the, except we start with the winner, so I think that's why I go like top to bottom. But, yeah. I like that we start with the winner, though. I feel like it's good. I, I like the system that we have. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I like it a lot. Even though today we threw it, we threw it out the window because we were going off the the actual two thousand eight page and not the main one. Oh, I think I yeah. Wait, I definitely forgot the podcast where I'm like, wait, it's plugs. Then we say what's coming up next, and then I think we do credits. Cause, oh yeah. Uh, wait, you did the credits already. Yeah, and now we've talked about what's coming up next. Yep. And now it's yeah. time. Yeah, sorry, it's been it's been ages, everybody. We've been <laughs> ages. But yeah, so thanks for listening again. Keep passing that golden popcorn and you know ju- just remember. Oh man. Uh huh. Listen to Kiss Me and Kiss Me Part 2 from Sweeney Todd cast recordings on, like, a music streaming service near you. Mm-hmm. Or not near you. It's streaming. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sing something. I'm like, wait, no, I don't have anything on mm-hmm. hand. But I... But... <clears throat> but I do... Beautiful girls all over the world. I could be chasing, but my time will be wasted. They got nothing on you, baby. I'm so tired editing this. It's like 11. I've been up since 7. Ugh. Love you all.